this would be Sci-Fi Saturday Night, and I would be Mercedes Lackey. Welcome aboard! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good morning, everybody, because I'm starting off with mornings now. <laughs> I used to be good evening, but I've now decided that we're all listening to it in the mornings. So it's going to be good morning, everybody, and welcome to another recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Morning, or unless you're listening to it at night, Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Uh, we're working busily to reformat everything so that it's... Sci- Aren't we doing that, Cameron? Busily? Busily thing. I, I thought I could just put my feet up, you know, sci-fi? relax, no, take no, no. it easy. We're, reform, we're reformatting everything to Sci-Fi Saturday morning. I want to see new logos. I want to hear a new opening. I want to hear all new jingles. I want to hear all new advertising. Get everybody on board. I want to have a, uh, I want to have a meeting of the entire staff uh, next week. You know, don't. You know, we did this once before where we talked about, you know, rebranding. And seriously, the brand you put on me last time still hurts. I don't want to see what the next brand's going to do to me. I promised that I wasn't going to use the branding iron again. Okay. It was just going to be a tattoo. It was going to be a Mike Tyson tattoo on your face, but it was just going to be a tattoo. So Mike Tyson's going to be a picture of Mike Tyson's face on my face? I'm good with that. Exactly. But then the, the, the ugly thing is that Evander Holyfield's going to bite off half your ear. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, let me think on that one. I'm vaccinated host the Dome. This is episode 519. Tonight it's another mask optional semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51. And in this episode, it's once again, once upon a trope. But you're going to like this one. You're going to like this one a lot. Um, who was that guy? Oh, God, I'm really going to date myself. Remember that commercial came and he would end it with, I guarantee it. I have no flipping clue. I mean, I could hear it. You hear it? You head. remember that one? Who the but hell I was that? Tell, I, I guarantee Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. right now on what Sci-Fi Saturday morning or Sci-Fi Saturday night or whenever the people are listening, they're screaming at us the name. <laughs> First person who can email that in will get a book. I'm not sure what the book is, but I swear to God, you know what? I, I will send you a Harley Quinn, um, 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 uh, one of those, uh, one of those uh, Harley Quinn things. I will send you a Harley Quinn something. The first person <laughs> who who can email me the correct answer to the guy who had the commercial that ended with, I guarantee, send it via the website. 
duplicate entries, you know, if, if two people send in the answer, the one that comes in first is the wiener. The second one is the first one is the winner. The second one is the wiener. And that's that. Anyhow, <clears throat> tonight, um, it's it's a kaleidoscope of tropes. I don't know what that means. Uh, actually, I do know what that means. You guys don't know what that means. Here's what that means. We got a book. And I feel like this is Blue's Clues. We just got a book. No. Anyway. Um, and this book. Uh, we didn't know what it was going to be. And Cameron sent it to me and said. What do you think? And I got about 20 pages into it and I went, this is freaking awesome. Uh, but I've read this book before. And then I continued on and I went, this is really freaking awesome. But I've really read this book and another book like it before. And then the more I read it, the more I liked it. And the more I realized, I don't care how many times I've read books like this before. This is really cool. And the guy who wrote it's here, and I'm going to tell you why I liked it so much uh, while we talk to Mr. Pat Daly. Pat, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hey, thanks, Dom. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> you say that now. Uh, it's time for the Inquisition <laughs> to start because no one expects the East Coast Inquisition. No, I don't know. Uh, sorry, I was going to do a, a bad Monty Python sketch there. Do you have um, three weapons? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Pat has written a book, and the book is called Spark. Spark stands for Solar Prime Augmented Reality Park, which is a destination for gamers. Uh, and this is as hard a science fiction novel as you're ever going to read. And by hard science fiction, I mean a science fiction novel just totally dipped in science, in good science, in correct science, in a future um, that is not only believable, but real, with real people, uh, with real characters. I mean, it is it is a tasteable, tangible future and a really great job, man. Really good book. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, I haven't had this much fun reading a book in a long time. And let me tell you why. <clears throat> this book reminds me of a ton of books, uh, not the least of which is a book that I read all the way back in 1981 um, called Dream Park, which was written by Larry Niven and Stephen Barnes, which is kind of like the granddaddy of this genre of books, which is a few futuristic amusement park uh, and what Niven and Barnes did was it was kind of they there had been other books like this in the past but it had been kind of willy-nilly science or you know you've got to accept this and just let it go and just let it be but what Stephen Barnes books all had a certain grit to them. 
at all times and a certain level of characterization to them at all times. And working with Niven, who was a very hard science writer, when the two of them got together to produce Dream Park, uh, it was just an amazing uh, collaboration. And this this wonderful work was born in which you just kind of went. And Ken was the one who first said it. What was it, Kim? You said, if you throw enough money at it, you could make this happen. Yep. We've had a couple other authors that have done books that they've said similar things. And this is definitely one of them there. I mean, you think about something we've discussed on the show before, The Void, um, which was a tr- uh, Tracy Hickman and his son's project. That actually. Tracy and Curtis Hickman, actually, yeah. Tracy, Tracy, what did I say? No, okay. you said it right. I oh, I said it right. I, gonna... I just got his son's name in there. <laughs> okay all right and uh and so it's one of those things where if you spend enough money if you're willing to spend enough money we could have what is in this book right now right now this could exist if you could if you wanted to spend like amazon and google's money combined you know we could have something this like this it just it it requires you know the but it's it's ne- what i like to call near science fiction it is just over the horizon. It's it, we are almost there, and that's kind of sometimes the best science fiction to read. Yeah, the the best the best science fiction for me has always been that just out of our reach, yet just about there, where you can you can almost you know that it's possible. So. Let's let's talk, Pat, for a little bit about where did where did you get your science fiction taste from? Where did it come from? Uh, I as a kid, I read them all. I read Asimov and Heinlein and Clark and Bradbury, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And um, <clears throat> So I I devoured all that stuff, and then later I discovered Niven and uh, William Gibson and. Uh, <laughs> well, why don't you and, throw some and, more master names at us? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I I loved them all, and I loved the fact that you knew or know Dream Park because that was one that I read like you right after it came out and it sunk its fangs into my skull and I have remembered it since. And I always thought, how cool would it be? So when I started writing this book, I started thinking about that book and where are we now with science and technology? So, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of grounded in the masters and uh, you know, those guys and guys like Neil Gaiman, and Neil Stevenson, they're, they're my bread and butter. It took you a long time to get from the, the middle school, high school kid reading dog-eared paperback versions of Glory Road, uh, which, by the way, you... You you use as a throwaway line in the book, which is freaking hilarious. Thank you for doing that. 
<laughs> Happy to have helped. Um, what a great book. And I caught that, and thank you. But it took you a long time to get from there to your first novel years later. So you took that time from then till now, and you are a social media enigma. Because I went to start looking you up online, and I went, who the hell is this guy? Nobody knows. There's no website. There's no there's there's a Twitter page that's a website that's a Facebook page and they all mirror each other and say nothing about him. So what happened between middle school, high school and where we are today? Oh, man, you've been doing your homework. Yes, sir. Uh, And quite frankly, I really appreciate that because it's it's not often that a new author like me gets to talk to people that have actually cared enough to to do a little research. And I think that's just freaking awesome. And I appreciate it. <laughs> well, so, it's called my okay. private detective's license. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so here's kind of my backstory. Um, after reading... Asimov and Heinlein and all those guys, I wanted to be a spacer. I wanted to be an astronaut. And so I did my research and and tried to figure out, okay, who becomes astronauts? Oh, well, test pilots. Okay, well, who becomes test pilots? Well, mostly it's fighter pilots. Well, and who becomes fighter pilots? And it turned out that mostly it was people that went to and graduated from the the uh, Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy. And so I said, OK, I know where I'm going to school. And so I started following that path and I went to the Air Force Academy and graduated and uh, started flying for the U.S. Air Force, flew F-4s and then uh, eventually became a test pilot for the Air Force, did that. And then um, uh, somewhere along the way. I applied to become an astronaut and I got to the point where NASA had me down, interviewed me. And at the end of the day, I was not the only Air Force guy selected. That year they selected everybody from the Navy and one guy from the Air Force. And, you know, he had a PhD. So it was like, all right, you know, I don't know how I'm going to, don't beat that guy. But I didn't feel bad. Well, I did feel bad. That's crap. Uh, I felt very <laughs> bad. <laughs> well, thanks for not lying about that one. Yeah. But when I looked at the people that made it, I thought, these are all awesome human beings. And I can't whine too much about not being selected to be in that club because that's a pretty damn exclusive club. And so so I didn't make it into NASA and I thought, well, all right, what's next? And at the time I thought, well, what's next is going to going to fly for the airlines. You know, if I can't be, you know, flying in space, I might as well make some decent money flying for the airlines. So I went to work for a large American airline based out of Dallas, Fort Worth, and 
Um, and then the universe intervened and I got furloughed, which is an airline term for a very similar F word that means the same thing. <laughs> now, you, you, show, <laughs> you can say the word, but I appreciate the fact that you're showing a little bit of tact here. You got screwed, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, but actually, I think it was divine intervention because I found out that I absolutely loathed the airline life, that the only thing that, that really mattered was a certain level of competency. And then once you got beyond that, as long as you stayed alive and kept showing up at work, you were going to advance and it was all seniority based. And, and so when I got furloughed, that was kind of like a, ah, okay, now what am I really going to do? And so I, uh, I went to work for Honeywell and eventually ended up uh, running an engineering center for Honeywell down uh, across the street from NASA's Johnson Space Center. Uh, and met a phenomenal group of people. Uh, and along the way, I'd met a couple of guys that I thought I could do business with. So I left Honeywell and we started our own company. And then after uh, after quite a few years working with them, I just decided that I needed something else to do uh, because we were, you know, we were having the same fights all the time. And so I thought, okay, it's time to retire and start writing. And I sold my portion of the company. And right after that happened, Mitsubishi Aircraft called me up and said, hey, you know, we got a new flight test project going on. You want to go do that? And I said, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, so I I started working on that on an airplane that came to be known as the space jet and not because it goes into space, but because it had more space in the cabin than other regional aircraft. Anyway, oh that, that project cratered um, largely because COVID was killing the airlines at the time. Uh, but I took advantage of that time and of my downtime and retirement from the other company to do what I had always wanted to do. And that was to write a book. And so uh, I wrote Spark. I thought it was great. I started sending it out to people. They told me it sucked. And <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> yeah. I thought, well, they're just idiots. Uh, and And it turned out that they weren't idiots, that uh, I really did have an ugly baby, and um, I stumbled onto a, uh, a thing called the Houston Writers Guild, which helps um, wannabe authors become real authors, and I got hooked up with uh, a couple of writing groups, and finally, somebody told me the truth in one of those writing groups, and and she said it was... Uh, uh, and I'm trying to not blank on her name, but I'll, I'll get back to it here in a minute. But she said, reading your book 
is like watching somebody watch somebody else play a video game. And I thought, oh. And that was exactly the feedback I needed uh, because it, it finally made the point to me about you know, agency and having action in your book. It gave you an objective real... outlook as to where you needed to bring it. Yeah. 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 It was good for so her. Good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and she went on to get um, published. She wrote a book called pig hearted. Um, and pig hearted is a middle grade book uh, that, that talks about, you know, human genes and human uh, hearts being implanted in pigs, and then they grow the pigs to become transplants for people actually suffering from heart disease. And then, and then, well, you know how that ends up for the pig. Uh, but it was a phenomenal book, and she ended up getting getting published. Uh, and I am still in contact with her and eternally grateful for all of her um her help and guidance and that her name is alex perry alex by the perry way. yeah 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 and i gotta tell you if you've got somebody that you know that's a uh mid-grade reader or you know i loved the book and and i like to think that my reading skill is a little above mid-grade but <laughs> not necessarily uh yeah, so they would they would love that. Um, and so, yeah, she told me the truth. And that is often hard to find in this day and age. Uh, people actually telling you that that you got an ugly baby. And when she did, it was kind of a wake up call for me. And I took a good hard look at what I was writing. And I think um, you know, with with her guidance and some guidance from uh, other writing group members like Fern Brady and Mac Little, I ended up with a book I was much more proud of, or am much more proud of, than what I first thought was a completed manuscript. One, one of the things that first-time writers don't really understand is that the first writing of a book doesn't mean you're done. God, no. <laughs> Yeah, but, but by the same token, it's hard to get a group to sit down and tell you anything other than, oh, this is really great or, wow, this really sucks, because neither of those is the feedback that you need. You're absolutely right. You know, everybody wants to be. Be your friend and be friendly and. You know, hell, I just I needed I needed somebody to tell me the ugly, unvarnished truth because that's the only way I was going to get better. What what first-time writers don't understand is that there's plenty of plastic surgery available. <laughs> if you, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, there were just so many times uh, where we have. A lot of writers on this show. A lot of way too many writers on this show. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Hold your tongue, Dom. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was about to say many of them. No, I won't say that. Uh, 
we get a lot of writers who ask us to do readings for them. And with some writers, I will politely or not so politely decline. Because uh-huh. A, I don't have the time. Or B, I don't laugh at ugly babies. But if it's a writer that I really like and respect, yeah, I'll do it. I will absolutely do it. And uh, because I know that whatever I have to say, they will listen to. Because there are too many writers when I have to say, you know, this is this is not. And they will go, what do you mean? Because it plays the other way as well. Where if you give honest yeah. feedback, sometimes they don't want to hear it. Yeah. So how many rewrites so did you go through with this book? Eight. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's that's not a lot. Do you realize that? I I don't know. It it felt like a whole lot to me. I mean, while it was, uh... <laughs> Truly, not a lot, man. Yeah, you know, I I read draft number four by John McPhee, uh, an epic nonfiction writer, and I thought, well, what the hell am I doing wrong? I had to be able to get this done in four drafts. Um, but no, for me, for me, it you know my skull was a little thicker. It took a it little. It is what uh, it is. Yep. The journey is as long as it takes to get from the beginning to the end. So let me tell you this. What you've got here is as good and as clean a story as I've read in a long, long time. Because good science fiction is a difficult process. There are so many ways to trip yourself up there uh, within the science, within the characters, within the plot, within the setting. Uh well, Cam, you said something that I thought was hilarious uh, about a good curse word. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, no, because, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, in in these kind of settings you're talking about, and this is futuristic, you know, I'll read science fiction stories and some of them, you know, they'll try to come up, like if they have an alien species, they'll try to come up with a, with a with a, a curse word or a derogatory word towards an alien species or towards an, a group of people within the story and i'll sit there and i'll look at it and i'll go that really doesn't make a lot of sense or it's very you know there's there's it, it just it it's never too made feels up. like yes yeah, too made up it never feels real and in this story you create a curse word for a group of people and I'm reading this in the time period and the artificial history that you've created, and I'm going, wow, that feels like it could organically happen. It rolls it, trippingly it, it, off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's weird. It's just a little thing, but it's just that curse word. The instant I came to it, I went, God, that's in, in this universe, in this history you've created – that is a very organic. I can see that organically suddenly happening. Yeah. People using that. And it was just that moment of, you know, 
realizing that even the smallest thing you put a lot of work into it. and i just i love that it is i love it when an author you know takes the time to think about those little itty bitty details that really make the universe that he's creating the world he's creating bloom and give some depth to it oh thank you that really that really makes me feel good i'm glad that you appreciated that uh slur that i yes. introduced it's great it's absolutely fantastic <laughs> and and the 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 depth of the story uh within the park how the, this one kid figures out these wonderful uh traps and 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 conundrums by going from place to place to place because of his own special abilities, he can see things that other people can't. And because of the way he's different from other people, he does things differently. And it's so damn refreshing. Uh, you, you did something. You've done something very different. And, and you've done something by, by making the characters the way you have. Uh, and you've made something very special by making the characters as special as you have. And and there's a whole lot of uh, it's like and this is a really screwed up stupid analogy. It's like a pointillism painting in which when you're up close, it's just a series of dots. And as you pull away, it blooms into this picture where each point becomes a reference. And the book, Spark, is this wonderful touchstone reference of a future, of a place, of characters, of... that's really interesting. It's really different. It's really, in some ways, obvious, and in other ways, like nothing we've ever seen before. We've been talking with Pat Daly, author of Spark. We could go on for another hour, or two, or three, or four, but I think he might want to do something else with his life tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, um, before I let you go, uh, I, I, I have to ask this. So I'm just going to come up and ask. Sure. What the hell's next on your plate? Oh. The sequel has already been submitted to my publisher. Yes. Good for yeah. you. Thanks, man. And it's uh, it's tentatively called Fire, and it uh, it might be available as early as uh, December. You know, to kind of kind of hit the Christmas buying surge. Um, that's our that's our goal anyway. So yeah, Good for you. be coming out. Thanks. All right, well, you 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 know who to come talk to when when it's ready. Absolutely. Yeah, you know I. I <laughs> I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm kind of hoping to be one of the uh, one of the five timers, maybe even a six hey, timer. 
hey, you keep writing good books like this. We'll bring you on. We'll bring you on four or five more times. Uh, I think I, right. I don't see any reason why that can't happen. Um, again, Pat Daly, Spark, cool book. Links to the Amazon website. Links to his website. Links to everything. Don't be an idiot. Check out this book. Take the week or so that's going to take you to read it. Then put it away. Wait for a week. Read it again. Pick up everything you missed the first time. Then put it away. Read it a third goddamn time. Because I guarantee you, there's stuff you missed the first time. Pat, thanks a lot, man. Oh, thanks, Doom. Thanks, Cam. I appreciate you guys having me on. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.